Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to South Valley. It is a brand new day to worship the Lord. You excited to be here? You excited to be with us online? We are so happy that you're with us. Please come to your feet. Let's worship the Lord together. Come on. Come out your way among 
we feel revive strength to face the day and in your presence all our fears are washed away because when we see you we find strength to face the day Good morning, everybody. You may have a seat. Don't mind me. I'm over here for a second because, believe it or not, I have a tendency to do really crazy things, uh, and I have a tendency to break piano strings. So, believe it or not, a piano string broke right in the middle of worship. We're just getting our worship on so much. Yeah. So, I got to move it. Otherwise, it's going to sound really weird for the rest of uh, worship. So, don't mind me. See? That sounds fun, doesn't it? Boy, that's going to be great. Don't mind me. It's okay. So we'll move on. I'm just going to throw this out here. Don't forget your tithes and offerings. We need a new piano string. Okay? Okay, good. Good, good. Hey, we have some exciting news. We have Pastor Ron, our children's pastor over there in the water this morning. Something's going to be going on. We got some people getting baptized. Come on out. Look at these wonderful people. Look at these wonderful children. Woohoo! Yeah, come on out all over here. Yeah, so each of these individuals has uh, declared that Jesus is Lord and Savior of their life. So they have had a time in their life where they admitted that they, they got problems. All of us are sinners. They know that. They realize that. They believe that Jesus was sent and paid the ultimate price uh, for those sins, and they accepted Jesus and committed their lives to Jesus Christ, uh, accepted him into their hearts, and they are renewed, changed, and now they're taking their next step of faith through the waters of baptism. You're excited. Everybody's smiling under those masks, right? 
Yeah, they're excited. Uh, and so what you're going to see this morning is they're going to walk over there. They're going to light uh, the candle over there. And they're bringing their candle to the Christ candle, which represents their light. They're letting their light so shine before men that they may glorify their Father in heaven. And there will be one candle over there that's left. Maybe that's someone you know. Maybe that is you. And you want to know how to go into an extra step of your faith and wanting to know the love of Jesus Christ. And we'd love to talk to you about that. And then they're going to go into the water, and you're going to see them go under the water and come back up, being buried in Christ with baptism and raised to walk in new of life. And we want you to celebrate that. You can get loud about that every time because we're rejoicing with the angels in heaven when that happens. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we want you to be able to declare that. And we want you to know that, that baptism is a step of faith. And it's an important step of faith. But your, your salvation is based on what your heart has already declared. So baptism is an outward display of that profession of faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, I have a microphone, and I don't know because of the whole COVID thing, but could you tell us who you are? I'll just kind of... Sh- Scream your name real loud. Mia Strong. Yay! Woo! Emma Strong. Emma Strong. Yasmin Aguirre. Yasmin Aguirre. All these wonderful people. Awesome, awesome. So we're going to get going, and, and Pastor Ron, you're, you're, you, you have a really high success rate. Everybody's going to come out okay. 50-50? All right, that's awesome. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so we're going to celebrate together. We're going to share a song with you that speaks to that testimony of faith and uh, walking through those steps together. And let's see if I can do this.
that burns in the darkness There is a hope that washes the fear away There is a peace that settles around us It is your love that sets our hearts ablaze There is a light that burns in the darkness There is a hope that washes the fear away There is a peace that settles around us It is your love that sets our hearts ablaze Father, we're on Heartbeat, we bring you this offering. Lord, come and fill this place. Father, we're crying out. Spirit, we need you now. Glorious love surrounds us. Lord, come and fill this place. King who reigns in victory. There is a mercy strong enough to say. We feel it rising up from the ashes. There is a love that overcame the grave.
sing glory in the even loud sing glory in the to your Lord one more time church every voice sing glory to the Lord glory in the Every voice sing glory. Yeah, sing glory. To you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we come before you and we praise your name. Thank you for the work you're doing, Lord. Thank you for changing lives, for providing your son for each and every one of us, Lord. We just celebrate the lives that stepped out in faith, the waters of baptism this morning. Thank you for those testimonies, Lord. We praise you for the work you're doing here at South Valley, Lord. We know it's been a long road, Lord, but we know that you're working on our behalf all the time. We give you praise for that. You are good. We say you're good and you're good all the time, Lord. Help us to hold on to that truth, Lord. And as we're going into a season of a reminder of just the price you paid to love us, Lord, help us to remember that precious relationship, the love of Christ. Help us to be loving towards one another, Lord, to our community, to the world around us. Let us allow our light to shine, Lord, so they can give glory to you, Lord. Ultimately, Lord, work today. We pray that you would be here with us. Your Holy Spirit would dwell and you would speak to our hearts. Hold us close if we're going through hard times. Hold us if we're suffering. Pray that you would just provide for our needs, Lord. Pray that you would draw those that don't know you to you, Lord. Maybe they're watching online. Maybe there's something going on. And ultimately, Lord, we pray that you would stretch us too. Help us to not get comfortable. Help us to do your work, Lord, and to live your will out for our lives, Lord. So we come before you seeking you, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. South Valley, good morning. How we doing? Oh, man, so good to see you all this morning. A great Sunday. Oh, man, baptisms, man, it hits different. Like, all of a sudden, baptisms are around. Like, there's dust in my eyes and, like, all this, you know, moisture leaving my eyes. But, man, it's such a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done and is doing in lives, young and advanced in age and wise, and it is so beautiful. We're so glad that y'all are here, whether you're in person or online. My name is Marcus, and on behalf of the staff, we just want to welcome you here this morning. We're so blessed to be able to worship together and to lift the name of Jesus up on high. Glory in the highest, y'all. That's what we're here for is to give praise. Hallelujah. So that being said, if you are new with us, we want to hear from you. We want to get to know you. So if you wouldn't mind filling out a connect card, you can do so online or you can fill out one of the physical cards right underneath you, uh, and then just drop it off on the donation station. We'd love to connect with you, and we'd also love to give you a little sum sum for filling that out for us today. So make sure that you do that. Also, next week, y'all, what's happening next week? Easter, yes, the Resurrection Sunday, y'all. We are celebrating the risen Jesus Christ, Lord, our Lord and Savior. It is on and popping. We hope that you will be here 8 o'clock in the morning, 9.30 and 11. We will have children's ministry at 9.30 and 11. So please make sure that you just... 
get, get on over here, y'all. It's going to be great. Invite your friends, especially if you have completed the registration for You've Got Egg. We're going to have that right outside here in the worship center doors at the children's ministry um, check-in area so that you can extend your invite. In fact, we have some extra ones available too. So if you want to grab one, please do so on your way out so you can invite a neighbor or a friend. Um, also, one of the things that we want to make sure that we do as a church is to be a resource to, to all of you. And we all come with baggage in a variety of ways. We've got hurts. We've got habits. We've got hang-ups. We've got different things that we're dealing with, whether it's addiction or maybe it's, it's just something that's really hanging us up in life, like grief or things such as shame or things like depression, anxiety, uh, people-pleasing. All of us, like we could probably go around this room right now. We'd be here for days talking about what types of things are hanging up in our lives right now, right? But as a church, we want to be able to be a resource to you. And so every Friday night, Celebrate Recovery is happening right inside that building. Yes, indeed. You better holler for it, y'all. So 7 p.m., make sure that you're there. Um, it is a great opportunity. It doesn't matter where you've been in your life. We just want to make sure to build into you. And not only just build into you, but build into you in Christ. That's such an important and the most important part of it all. So make sure you hit that up. It's going to be right there in the chapel. We'd love to have you every Friday, 7 p.m. Uh, and then also, this last week, we were able to share news about our uh, pending candidate weekend, which is happening uh, the following week after that. So the uh, Sunday, the 11th, our uh, pastor candidate, his name is Ricky Hemi, he's going to be here speaking at 9 a.m. and at 1045. We're very excited to have him and to hear his heart and to get to know him a little bit. And if you are interested in uh, providing some questions that perhaps that he might be able to answer as he speaks that Sunday, you can go to svcclamore.org and at the top, uh, there's a section there that says candidate questions and click on that. And you can not only just ask some questions uh, for him to potentially answer for the candidating weekend that we're having, but you can also get a chance to watch his sermon, a few of his sermons. There are three of them on there for you to be able to check out. So please make sure that you're here. That Again, that'll be available online as well for those of you who want to uh, check out the live stream for that. And then just an added note, we will have both 9 and 1045. That is a service time change as of that Sunday. And from that point on, it will continue to be 9, 10, uh, 9 and 1045 as opposed to 9 and 1030. We'll be reminding y'all so that y'all can be aware and it'll be all good in the hood like a woodchuck could chuck wood. It'll be great. So that being said, um, before we go on to the rest of the service, you guys, uh, we just want to remind you that we are continuing uh, to have opportunities for us to give. Um, as we give, you guys, we are coming alongside the work in the ministry of Jesus Christ and uh, not only just... Uh, just doing kingdom work, which is the most important part. Um, your giving as you do this, it enables people to know Jesus. It enables ministries to function. You too, with your giving, can provide strings for our piano. It's an emotional time, you guys. A lot of ministry has happened because of this piano. When you really think about it, right? You think, you know, how many worship songs have we sang with this piano, y'all? It's just, I'm just saying, that's just an example, okay? Don't go crazy on me. It's like, why are you so materialistic, Marcus? And that's not the case, all right? If you know me, you know that is not the case. But we just want to encourage you. There's so many different ways to give. You can give online. You can give uh, with the donation stations on the way out today. Um, we just want to make sure that we are continuing in the spiritual discipline of giving. And so with that said, we are so glad that you are here. We love you, and we hope that you have a wonderful morning this morning. Thanks a lot, y'all. Good morning, everyone. My name is Virginia Hope. My husband is Lawrence, and we've been attending South Valley for many years, and it's home to us. And I want to talk to you today about the pandemic and how I have seen it affecting us. Um, 
And it goes back to, I feel, how important a merry heart is, even through bad things. And Proverbs 17:22 is, a merry heart does good like a medicine. And I remind myself often because things that are happening these days are uh, so unreal to the way I remember things used to be. And so, and it, it affects uh, different people differently. And uh, I feel we are needed to reach out in love to each person and uh, make them feel comfortable and that um, um, we can get through this together. And out of bad things like this pandemic that's happening, good things can happen. And one is uh, to learn the merry heart and to rely on that to help us through. And so um, I just um, wanted to convey that to you. And um, I know that there's probably a lot of things I could talk about, but different personalities react differently to situations. So just ask Jesus, is my heart attitude good? And I think that will help bring each of us around to reaching out to each other. Uh, each of us need that feeling that we're accepted and loved. We know we are by our Lord, our Jesus, but the people around us, it just really helps for us to feel that acceptance and love as well. God bless you all, and I'm glad to see each one of you. Okay, let me say it again. Good morning. I'm glad that you're here. My name is Tim Brown. I'm the executive minister of Growing Healthy Churches. For those of you who may be here for the first time, that's a network of churches that this church is very key in. And for the last couple of years, we've been helping you in a new pastor search as well as doing some various things in your church. And I'm pleasure, so I'm so full of, uh, so pleased to be here with you today. I also pastor a church up in Modesto, so they've released me for a couple Sundays of month to help fill in as you're going through this transition. And I love it here. I love you. And. Um, there's so much talent and giftedness in the staff and volunteers in this church. The fact that you have a consummate professional like John break a piano string. <laughs> I've never, ever, in all of my years of ministry, I've seen many guitar strings break, but never a piano string. And the way that he handled that with grace and humor, wasn't that awesome? Because you know that bothered him. I thought that was great. You know it bothered him that he handled it so well. And I, I really wouldn't have known because he's just so, he's so good. Also, want to thank you for your generosity as a church. Over the last few weeks, you've been challenged to bring in canned food. And even though you may not think that that's a big deal, a whole huge truckload went to help feed needy people in this area. And you need to celebrate that as a church. God blesses generous people. And he blesses a generous church. I am thoroughly convinced that God's hand of blessing has been on you for many years because you have been a group of people in a church who you don't hold back when it comes to generosity. So continue to do that, church. Would you continue to do that? And just watch and see how God blesses you. Now, if you ever had young children and you've gone on a long trip, it won't be long before there is a question that is asked. I hadn't asked you for that question yet. <laughs> At some point in the journey, there will be that question, what is it? 
are we there yet? And when I was a foolish parent, a rookie parent, just starting out, we would take those long journeys with our first child. And she would ask, Daddy, are we there yet? And I would say foolishly in my naivety as a young parent, Now, honey, it's going to take a little while, so if you look at the clock, and when the numbers get to this, we'll almost be there. And on our journey, if you will look for this and look for that out the window, you'll know that we're almost there. And it didn't take me long to realize that that was no help whatsoever. (laughs) And then as you have another child, are we there yet? And another child, are we there yet? You just learn when you're not a rookie parent anymore, you turn around and say, no, we're not there yet, and it's going to be a long trip, so just shut your mouth and buckle up, (laughs) or we're going to be miserable this whole time together. That's why our kids are in therapy right now. (laughs) The question, are we there yet, is really part of the human experience. And it can be traced back even to the early readings that we find in the Bible. If you were here last week, I talked about a guy by the name of Joseph, and we ended with him in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And he and his family are living in the land of Goshen in Egypt where they've been relocated. And Joseph passes away. And new leadership comes to the ranks in Egypt and the people of Israel are becoming a threat to the Egyptians. And so the leader decides of Egypt that he's going to put the people of Israel into slavery, into captivity. And it remained that way for over 400 years. They just forgot about them. And then there was a leader in Egypt who said, not comfortable with these Israelites, so we need to get rid of all their baby boys. And so he made a law that any baby boy born to an Israelite woman would be killed. There were some midwives who saw that that didn't happen for a while. But then there was a mom who had a baby boy and she hit him as long as she could and she knew that his life would be taken. And so she decided, probably because she's observed Pharaoh's daughter who goes out to bathe in the Nile and maybe see something that she's compassionate in some sort of way. She decides that she's going to put her baby boy in a basket and float him along the Nile where Pharaoh's daughter goes to bathe every day. And the daughter notices the baby in the basket, realizes it has to be an Israelite boy, but she has compassion She asked her attendants, do you know of any Israelite woman who may be nursing that I can deliver the baby back to so she can nurse him until he's older to be raised in the king's home? We know that baby's name. His name is, oh, I thought it was Charlton Heston. (laughs) It's Moses. And he's raised in a king's home. And one day he's out and he notices an Egyptian mistreating some Israelites, and so he murders that Egyptian. Eventually, Pharaoh finds out about it, and Moses takes off running into the desert for 40 years. There was a day when he was out tending his sheep because he was a shepherd, and he noticed a sight. There was a bush that was burning, but it was not consumed. It was odd, and so as he walked over to that burning bush, if you're familiar with the story, you know that there's a voice that comes from within that burning bush, and it says what? Do you know what it says? Moses, take off your sandals, for the ground on which you stand is holy ground. It's set apart. It's different. And then the voice from the burning bush says this in Exodus 3, 
7 through 10. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt and I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of, up out of that land and into. Say up out of and into. Up out of and into. A good and spacious land. A land that's flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Parasites, all the ites. <laughs> Verse 9, it says, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go! I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. There's all kinds of powerful ideas packed in this little passage of Scripture that we won't get to. It's not really what I want to talk about today. But the idea that there's this powerful God who's created all things that is deeply concerned with us as humans. He's not a distant, far-off God. He actually sees human misery and He hears our human pleas for help. He's an active God. He's not passive. In chapters 3-7 through of Exodus, God has to convince Moses that Moses is going to be the one... Moses has a lot of excuses. In chapters 5 through 11 of Exodus, we read about as Moses interacts with Pharaoh that there's ten plagues that God sends upon that nation. The last of which is the death of a firstborn. And then in chapter 12, we have what's called the Passover in Exodus. And that's where God had instructed the people of Israel to go through a way that they would sacrifice an unblemished lamb and then use that that unblemished lamb's blood to paint their doorposts so that the death angel would pass over the Israelites and he had them celebrate a, a Passover meal, which they, in, the Old, in the New Testament Jesus would change to what we call the Lord's Supper, Communion, Eucharist today. In chapter 13 we have the Exodus where the people are leaving because Pharaoh says, get out of here, I've had enough, go, you go, I, go on this journey. And so God says, I'm going to lead you on this journey. You people of Israel, I've heard you. It sounds real easy. It sounds real easy, this journey. It has two parts. I'm going to, we, we, we said it earlier, I'm going to take you up out of and up into. I'm going to take you up out of Egypt and up into the promised land. Up out of and up into a land flowing with milk and honey. And if you know the route... It shouldn't take long. It's usually by foot about four to six weeks if you're familiar with that part of the world. There was a familiar route. In fact, I have a map that I'm going to show you. It was called the Way of the Sea. You can see that, the Via Maris. Over on the left, you have Egypt. And so the direct route would be up out of Egypt and up into the Promised Land over on the right. It was a normal journey. It was a familiar journey. But something interesting happens in Exodus 13, 17, and 18. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road to the Philistine country. Notice this. Though that way was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward the Red Sea. Here's the actual route that they took. If you look at this map, you see the little dots and the arrows? This is very strange. 
So God is not actually going to lead them up out of and up into. He's leading them down into. Very strange. It's an indirect, convoluted route. The roundabout way. And this is going to be disorienting for the people because they know the way of the sea. But God has this beautiful GPS system. He says, just follow me. A cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. You follow me, I'm going to be your GPS system. Cloud by day, fire by night. A perfect GPS system. Now, I'm old enough to remember when the first GPS systems actually sort of came out for cars. Some of you may remember that, some of you may not. But this was before we had wireless systems and cellular service and there was a device that you could purchase for your car, one of the devices that was sold, called a TomTom. Did any of you have a TomTom? It was awesome, except for this. If you didn't regularly go and update your TomTom through your computer that you had to plug a landline in, remember the old dial-up? If you didn't update your TomTom, then the mapping system would get off. And you could be misdirected. I had it happen to me. So you could actually know that you need to be headed northeast, but it would send you southwest. And you knew it. God's perfect GPS system, a cloud by day, a fire by night, people knew the route. This GPS should be taking us northeast, but we're headed southwest. And the question is this, Will people follow God when they don't understand God? Will they follow Him when following Him does not get them to where they think they should be and to what they should have? And I work with a lot of churches and sometimes we have to struggle with this question with churches. Will churches and church members continue to follow God and stick with their church family when following Him doesn't seem to make sense at the moment. I mean, after all, He's supposed to be leading us out of and up into, and He seems like He's leading us down into. I raise this issue because all of us know the indirect way of God if we've traveled with Him for long. It's where we find ourselves and we don't really want to be there. We don't like it. And this is one of God's most irritating qualities for me. He just seems not to always take me in the direction that I want to go, and He doesn't seem to be as in a bigger hurry as I am. I mean, after all, the people of Israel would be on this journey for 40 years. Should have just taken four to six weeks. 40. 40 years. 40 is an interesting number when it comes to the Bible. You see it a lot. It's a significant number. Isaac and Esau both got married when they were 40 years of age. 40 days marked the time of the flood. 40 days marked the time of Moses when he went up onto Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. King David reigned for 40 years. King Solomon reigned for 40 years. There's a 40-day period in the New Testament between when Jesus was resurrected on Easter Sunday and to where he ascended into heaven. There are some Bible scholars who say that the, the number 40 is not actually meant to be specifically 40. It's more of an estimate. 
So if we take that line of thinking, that means that a lot of us in this room are about 40 years old, myself included. 40 is especially associated with the desert when we read the desert in the Bible. When Moses kills a man that we just talked about, he's in the Midian desert and he lives there for 40 years. When Elijah is terrified by Queen Jezebel and he runs away, he's in the wilderness, the desert, for 40 days. And perhaps most famously in the New Testament, we have Jesus after his baptism being led, being directed, being actually pushed, uh, as the Gospel of Mark says, into the desert to be tempted by Satan for 40 days, alone, hungry. The desert is the place you don't want to be. It's the place you don't want to go. It's not the place flowing with milk and honey. It's barren. Are we there yet? I say this because sometimes people, sometimes even churches, we try to evade the reality that sometimes the best way is God's indirect way. We may not like it, we may not understand it, but the question is, will we trust Him? When your heart aches because of some loss that you have and you don't know why, when you long for a good thing and you know that God could deliver, you know He could, you know that if God wanted to, He could step in instantaneously and remove you from that terrible time, but He's not. You know that God could do something. These times can be triggered by some event. Maybe you have a wayward child. May not be physically gone from home. Maybe physically run away from home. But maybe you know what it's like to have a child. That they're wayward. A child you love. And you beg and plead for God to do something and it doesn't seem like he is. Maybe some of you are struggling financially. Maybe some of you are having difficulty in your job. Maybe some of you have received a bad report from a doctor. And all of a sudden, your world has changed. Maybe for some of you, you've dreamed about something for years. And you've worked towards that dream. You've sacrificed for that dream. But it's certain that that dream is not now a reality. There's no way it can be. Maybe you dreamed about having a great marriage that now is going to be ending. But there are times, sometimes, when the desert happens for no reason whatsoever. And I want to tell us something here. Please listen to me, friends. When it comes, and it will, it doesn't mean that God has forgotten about you. It does not mean that God has abandoned you. You see, God is often at work in the indirect, convoluted, down and out way. Ways that we don't understand. Some things I'm confident of is that God's way is rarely the quickest. It's rarely the easiest. But it's the best way to avoid despair in our lives. Some lessons that we learn in the, the desert. One is, the desert is a place where we learn patience. Now, of course, all of us would like to grow in patience. I've never had somebody come to me and say, Tim, would you help me to be a more impatient person? 
Or could you do a church seminar on how we could be more impatient as a church? We all want to have and grow in patience, but many of us don't want to have to go through the pain of learning how to be patient. Every day the Israelites would have to wake up and look at this cloud and look at this fire. And they would have to decide, if the fire is not moving, if the cloud is not moving, will I stay here and wait or will I jump ahead of God and go where I think I need to go? Every day they would have to say, are we going to follow? Am I going to be patient enough as the cloud's not moving fast enough? The fire is moving way too slow. Maybe for you, some of you in this room, maybe you're single and you're just waiting, you're waiting, you're praying for somebody. God, would you send me the perfect person? I want to marry the perfect person. Well, first of all, let me share, there's no perfect person. And if you find that person, the moment you marry them, they become imperfect. But you're single and you want that. Maybe for some of you, you're a widow or widower. and You're needing lead through that time of grief. Maybe for some of you here in this room, and I'm not naive enough to know that there's not some, if not several of us in this room, and your, your marriage is a desert experience. You had hopes and dreams, and they've not come true. And the question is, will you patiently be obedient to God? Will you love your spouse when your spouse is being completely unlovely? There's an old story about an elderly couple. They go to bed one night, and as they lay in bed, the silence is broken by the elderly woman who says to her aged husband, Honey, you know, when we were first married, you used to hold my hand when we'd go to bed at night. And he goes, Ugh. And so he reaches over, and he gets her ice-cold, wrinkled, bony hand, and he holds it. And she said, And honey, you know, when we were first married, you would roll over and you would cuddle with me at night. And, he's like, Ugh. and so he moans and groans and rolls over and throws his arm around her. And a few minutes later, she says, you know, honey, when we were first married and young and in love, you used to nibble on my ear. And angrily, he throws back the covers and he gets up and he's stomping around. She said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to go get my teeth, Okay. It's one thing to nibble on the ear when you're young and in love and your ear is lovely and the air is filled with the scent of Chanel or Tommy Hilfiger or something or other. Nibbling is easy in those days. It's another thing to nibble on that ear when that ear doesn't hear very well and it's full of wax and it has the scent of Ben Gay. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of minty flavored, isn't it? The desert is the place where we will all go. One thing's for certain, aging brings it on. It's where I don't want to be. It's where I don't want to go. But it's a place where I can learn to be patient with other people and God can grow patience in me. And many times, let me say this, many times the length of our stay in the desert is dependent upon if we learn the lesson while we're there. There have been many times when I was in school when I would have a teacher walk into a room and he or she would say, class, I cannot believe how you performed on this test. You stunk it up. 
And I'm going to show you some mercy. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. You deserve an F, but I'm not going to give you that. And I'm going to show you some grace because I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. And that is a retake. Now study and get it right this time. And if you find yourself always with your patience being tested, it may be an indication that God is allowing you to have multiple retakes in His grace and His mercy. And until you get it right, you may find yourself there for a while. Secondly, the desert is often the place where God makes you strong. Sometimes in order to build up muscles, you have to tear them down. The Apostle Paul realized this in the New Testament where he talks about he has a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. Some say maybe an illness. Maybe he was having a bad relationship with somebody. But he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's the odd paradox of the kingdom of God. We're told in Exodus 13, 7, why why, why God did not want to lead them on the way of the sea. He says, if they go that way, there are Philistines there. And if they have to go and fight when they first come out, they may want to go back to Egypt. Now, God could deliver them. He'd already proven that he could do that. But God knew that there had to be something developed in them. They hadn't quite yet learned how to trust God completely. So God would lead them on a roundabout way so that day by day, week by week, minute by minute, they truly had to trust him for for provision. In other words, listen carefully, God is not nearly as concerned with where his people are going as to who his people will be once they get there. As one author said it, he said it this way, it took one night to get Israel out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. It's not so hard to trust God in the land of milk and honey when everything is working out and our prayers are being answered. Hey, South Valley, when we have a senior pastor. It's another way to learn to trust God when he seems like it's convoluted and crazy what he's doing when you don't understand it. Gary Richmond wrote a book called A View from the Zoo. He was a zookeeper at L.A. Zoo. He began to see correlations between the animal kingdom and the way God worked. And he wrote in his book that one day he was watching as a giraffe was being born. Now the mother didn't lay down. And as the, the giraffe was being born, the giraffe was actually, the baby giraffe was dropped on the ground. And then he was shocked to see what happened next that the mother actually went over to her baby giraffe and started kicking this baby. And he said, I asked the person who was over there, why is she doing that? That looks cruel. He says, no, no, no. She wants that baby to get up on its wobbly legs as soon as possible. And watch what happens. When the baby got up, 
Mom kicked it down again. Baby got up, kicked it down again. He said, why is she doing that? He said, because in the wild, these little babies are subject to prey. And they have their safety as long as they're with the entire group. But they've got to learn to get up and get their legs strong immediately. I wonder how often God knocks us off of our feet, not out of spite, but out of love. We all will go through dips in life. You read all the great heroes of the faith. They went through the dips and the ditches of life. You read about what they learned from it. You think about Job who lost everything. And at the end of the book of Job, he says to God, God, I have learned more about you through my time of despair than I ever did during my time of plenty. My faith has grown so much. The Old Testament prophet Habakkuk was in a severe dip in his life. And he said in chapter 1 and chapter 2, God, I know you could do something, but you're not. It doesn't seem fair what you're doing. And you get to chapter 3 in the book of Habakkuk, and he says this, I've traveled to new heights in my understanding of you, even though my circumstances have not changed. I'm still here in a dip, but I'm in a new place in my faith, and I never would have been here if I hadn't gone through this terrible experience. All the great heroes of faith, this happened to them. David learned it, Ruth learned it, Esther learned it, Mary and Martha learned it, Peter learned it, Paul learned it. So if you think the roundabout way is God's way of forgetting you, you're wrong. He's trying to strengthen you. And the question is, God, will I have enough faith that when I'm going through a desert experience, will I have enough faith to say, I'm going to trust you even if it takes four weeks, six weeks, 40 years, even if I don't see it in my lifetime, I know there's heaven. Can I trust you enough day by day just to learn to lean on you? Thirdly, the desert is a place where I come face to face with myself. There are things that get revealed about us and our character when we're in the desert. I spoke a little bit about this to this service last week. You see, pressure has a way of revealing things about us. Just like a tube of toothpaste, you squeeze it and what's on the inside comes out. Put yourself in a pressure-filled situation and what comes out of your mouth and in your action is a revelation of what's in your heart. Pressure reveals. I know this because I've been through deserts in my life. I've been through deep pain. And have delayed healing because I was not willing to look at what pressure was revealing in my life. And after deep searching and looking deep in the mirror and really seeing myself for who I was, I was a guy that was driven by guilt and shame. So afraid of what others would think of me and say about me. And until I dealt with that, the desert was prolonged. Finally, The desert can be a place of great growth if we have the right mindset. Desert times are not the times where you're getting what you want. You're not getting the promotion. You don't get the new job. You can't seem to get the house that you want. Relationships are not the best, even your health. And the question then becomes, do I love God in my mind? Can I make my mindset such that do I love God Even when he's not giving me the good stuff. Do I love God when I'm not in the land of milk and honey? Or do I only love him when the honey is flowing and the milk is not skim milk, baby? 
it's whole milk. You see, there was infinitely more at stake in this story of the Exodus than what they knew. This was not about relocation. This was not about them no longer being slaves. It was not necessarily about the promised land. This was a new way of human beings thinking about the daily care of God. So when you're in the desert, as you will be, if you're not, don't give up. Trust day by day, for some minute by minute, for some second by second. Change your mindset to see the desert as actually a gift from God. And you'll be shocked as to what He can do with you and through you and for you. Last week, I came across a a news video that is a year or so old of a six-year-old boy who's going through a desert experience. What can we learn from a six-year-old about mindset? Well, let's watch and see. We end tonight with a little boy with enormous power, the power to lift spirits. Here's Steve Hartman on the road. It is every kid's worst nightmare, and six-year-old Jaden Hayes has lived it. Ah! Twice. First, he lost his dad when he was four. Then last month, his mom died unexpectedly in her sleep. I tried and I tried and I tried to get her away. Couldn't. Jaden is understandably heartbroken. Anybody can die. That's anybody. But there's another side to his grief. A side he first made public a few weeks ago when he told his aunt and now guardian, Barbara DeCola, that he was sick and tired of seeing everyone sad all the time. And he had a plan to fix it. And that was the beginning of it. That's where the adventure began. (laughs) Jaden asked his aunt Barbara to buy a bunch of little toys and bring them here to downtown Savannah, Georgia, near where he lives. Thank you, sweetie. So he could then give them away. Thank you, man. What is it you're doing? Well, I'm trying to make people smile. Rubber duckies, dinosaurs. Because those are the things that make people smile. Yeah. And what happens to their face? Really? Really. See that man right there? Jaden targets people who aren't already smiling and then turns their day around. You made me smile. He's gone out on four different occasions now, and he's always successful. It's to make you smile. Even if sometimes he doesn't get exactly the reaction he was hoping for. It is just so overwhelming to some people that a six-year-old orphan would give away a toy expecting nothing in return except a smile. Of course, he is paid handsomely in hugs. And his aunt says these reactions have done wonders for Jaden. It's like sheer joy came out of this child. And the more people that he made smile, the more this light shone. Jaden says that's mostly true. But I'm still sad that my mom died. I bet you are. This is by no means a fix. But in the smiles he's made so far, nearly 500 at last count, Jaden has clearly found a purpose.
I'm counting on it to be 33,000. 33,000? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty big goal. Mm -hmm. You think he can make that goal? Uh, I think I can. I think he just did. Steve Hartman on the road in Savannah, Georgia. Will you stand with me as we close this morning? If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes and in this moment that we have before we leave. Often the question that I like to ask of myself or of people in the church that I lead is, so what? How will you be different today because of what you've heard or learned? How can you leave from here today and uh, apply this great story of the Exodus to your own life? Are you here and you're going through a desert? For some of you, this is all new. Maybe you're watching online, here in person, and you've witnessed today three young people who started a journey with Christ when they accepted him into their life and they outwardly expressed that and maybe today would be the day that you say it's my turn to light the candle you would invite Christ into your life right now in this moment there's no magical formula just simply cry out to him in your own spirit Lord I need you in my life please be my savior come into me and inside of my heart and, and make me a new person for the rest of my life, I'll try to live for you and learn about you. And Thank you for loving me and saving me. If you prayed that prayer today, would you let somebody know so that they can help you with the next steps? The rest of us here, let's go. Whether you're in a journey of the desert or you're not, thank goodness if you're not. But if you're in the desert, say, God, I'm going to follow you. Whether it takes this next week, this next year, this next month. If it takes 40 years, I'm going to trust in you because I know that your way is the best way even though it may not be the shortest way. And we love you, Lord, that you're a God who loves us so much that sometimes you even take us on a delightful long cut because you want to develop something in us that we currently don't have. Thank you for that love. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say together, Amen. Amen. God bless you, South Valley. Have a great day. Don't forget your donations at the side as you leave and your cards. God bless you. See you next week.